Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Yesterday was a very, very important day because yesterday my beautiful wife, Jenny, who's sitting on the front row, Jenny and I celebrated our 17-year anniversary. 17 years, Jeremy and Amber. How long have you guys been married? 10? All right, well, you guys still got a ways to catch up. And uh, 16 of those years have been really rough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we actually have went through some of our own challenges like any couple, but I'm so thankful for Jenny. In fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, he who finds a wife finds a treasure and obtains favor from the Lord. And uh, that is absolutely true. Found a treasure in, in Jenny, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me by far besides knowing the Lord, and I'm so thankful for her. I'm especially thankful to have her along my side and be my life partner because this past year has been the craziest year of our lives. Uh, you know, some, some ways good. Jenny's 21 weeks pregnant and miracle baby, but some unbelievable challenges. In fact, I was thinking about it last night and I thought, I've been through so much stuff just in this past year, I think I could write a country song. <laughs> and I actually thought about it so much that I came up with a title for my country song. I haven't come up with any lyrics yet, but I have a title at least. Oh, and there's an, there's an album cover too, by the way. Ez, that was your husband. Chris Costello, our youth ministry director, posted that on Instagram last night. Apparently that would be my album cover. Title of my song would be this, a little wine for communion and a little whiskey for my troubles. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually drink any alcohol at all, but that's funny to me. Do you know what happens? Do you know what happens, by the way, if you play a country song backwards? You get your truck back, you get your dog back, you get your spouse back, you get your job back. Come on. All right, some of you, some of you need to listen to more country music. Some of you can probably relate to just craziness in life, and maybe you're in the midst of crazy right now. Maybe you've lost a loved one as well, and all the crazy feelings of pain and grief that come with that, or maybe you're under crazy financial pressure, or maybe just all the things that are happening in our crazy world and culture and in our nation, or maybe it's just anticipating the busyness and the craziness of the holiday season and all the stress that comes with it. In fact, even, you know, talking to people oftentimes, and you're trying to get together with them, and they say, oh, let's do it after Christmas because it's too crazy right now. That's the kind of language that we use. Maybe it's just dealing with crazy people in your life. You might be sitting next to one of them right now. Just keep looking forward. Don't say amen, all right? I don't know, but or dealing with your crazy relatives during the holiday season. Every family has at least one, by the way, maybe more than one, but, you know, no matter what is happening in our lives, no matter what circumstances we're facing, no matter what challenges we're going through, God wants us to have his joy and his peace right in the midst. Romans chapter 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So last weekend I 
talked about enjoying the journey. Enjoying the journey. I enjoyed my message. I don't know if you did, but I did. Enjoying the journey. You know, uh, thanks, thanks, Linda. She's the only one applauding for me. God bless you, Linda. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about peace in the midst of crazy. Peace in the midst of crazy. In fact, grab your Bible if you have it. And if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one afterwards. Come on up to the front. And actually, stand to your feet. I like to do this oftentimes now as we read Scripture. There's nothing more powerful than the Word of God. And so let's just stand for a minute. I want to give you some quick context before we read this passage. This is pretty near the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was near uh, the Sea of Galilee. In fact, actually, the Bible says, if you read it earlier, that he was in a boat teaching to the multitudes. We don't know how many people, but at least hundreds, probably thousands. So you can imagine projecting his voice and all day long, all day long in the hot Middle East sun, how tired and exhausted he was. And so we come to the end of the day here, and this is where we'll pick up the passage. In fact, let me pray first. Father, thank you for the love and the truth, the power of your word. Speak to us today. Lord, encourage us challenge us, touch us, change us. Let us walk out of here different because of your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark 4, verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he, referring to Jesus, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. It's referring to the other side of the lake. Now, when they had left the multitude, they, referring to the disciples, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. <laughs> and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Would you say that, church? Peace, be still. Say it one more time. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Before you sit down, turn to somebody next to you and say, I don't want to stress you out, but there's only 40 days left until Christmas. Come on, tell somebody. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if you weren't worried before you came in, you are now. <laughs> but my message is going to help you. This was a major, major storm that the disciples faced. In fact, so several of these guys grew up on the Sea of Galilee. Just, you know, we're in Southern California. Maybe you grew up near the beach and we're always in the ocean. These guys grew up near the Sea of Galilee. Several of them were fishermen. That's where they made their money. That was their career. They had been on this, on this sea their whole life. This storm particular windstorm was so violent, it was so bad, it was so crazy that they thought they were going to sink and drown and die. 
as we talked about last week, life is a journey. And in life, storms happen. (laughs) There's other bumper stickers in our culture that say something different, but let's just say storms happen. Storms happen. And, And, you know, they come in all different shapes and sizes. Some storms are so challenging, so difficult, so overwhelming, so painful that maybe like the disciples, you think there's no way I'm gonna even make it through this thing. Maybe I'm just gonna die. All of us are in one of three places right now. You're either coming out of a storm or you're about to head into a storm and maybe you don't even know or you're in the midst of a storm right now. And the word of the Lord to you and to me today, men and women, is peace, be still. I think this story teaches us five principles about God's peace. And since I gave you an acronym last week for joyful, J-O-Y-F-U-L, I'm going to give you one today for peace, P-E-A-C-E. How to have peace, how to have God's peace in your life. Number one is put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. As the boat was filling up with water, it says the the disciples awoke Jesus from his sleep, from his nap. He was so tired. Have you ever been so tired, so exhausted from a long, hard day of work that you come home, you don't even make it into the shower, you don't even make it into your bed, you just pass out on the couch? Sunday afternoons, whatever it is about Sunday afternoons, you know, you want to take a Sunday afternoon nap, you just go and pass out. And have you ever had your kids or your grandkids wake you up out of a dead sleep? And anybody besides me wake up, come on, a little bit grumpy and a little bit irritated? I kind of think that's how Jesus was. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's somebody's raising their wife saying, you better watch out, buddy. You're going to get in trouble. I kind of think Jesus was like that, wakes up out of a dead sleep, stands up, and just rebukes the storm. Peace be still. And everything's calm. And then he rebukes his disciples and basically says, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? (laughs) By the way, the word faith in the New Testament, it means trust in God and all that he says. That's what faith is. It's trusting in God and all that he says. What did Jesus say at the beginning of this journey on the sea? He says, guys, we're going over to the other side. Keep that in mind. When the storms of life hit, where does your trust go? Who or what do you put your trust in? Is it a pill? Is it a bottle? Is it your phone? Is it your laptop? Is it another person? Is it yourself? Or is it in Jesus? Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep in Perfect peace. All who what, church? Come on, all who what? All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Romans 15, 13, Paul writes at the end of this letter, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you, come on, because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is our source of hope. He is our source of joy. He is our source of peace. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 33. This is from the message paraphrase. In fact, let's read the first sentence together. Ready, go. 
I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. Let's read it one more time. Read it a little, little louder, a little stronger this time. Ready, go. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, Jesus says, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. Jesus is the only one who can calm any and every storm that you and I face in life. There is nothing that is impossible for him. But he's also the only one who can calm any storm that you and I are dealing with inside our hearts. And I, I want to focus on that part of this application a little bit more this morning. Maybe you're in the midst of crazy right now. The waves are crashing. The, your boat, the boat of your life is rocking back and forth. Your, maybe your marriage is shaky. Your health challenges have gripped you with fear and you feel wobbly. Or your finances are uncertain. Your children or grandchildren are crazy and, un, and unstable. Maybe it's grief over the loss of a loved one has, has you rattled or even your relationship with the Lord is broken, put your trust in Jesus. He promises that if you trust me, you will be unshakable. And guess what? If Jesus says you're unshakable, then you're unshakable. Whether or not you even feel like it right now, you're unshakable. Come on, say, I am unshakable. Say it one more time. I am unshakable. And our church is unshakable too, by the way. If you're gonna have peace, number one, put your trust in Jesus. Number two, everything that worries you, pray about. We've, I think all of our messages have had that incorporated the last couple of weeks, if you've been paying attention. Something that God wants to remind us of, maybe just wants to remind me of, because I've been doing most of the preaching, but everything that worries you, pray about. The disciples literally were worried to death. They, they thought they were gonna die. They woke Jesus up, said, you gotta do something about this. What are you worried about right now? What are you stressed out about? What are you anxious about? What keeps you up at night? Here's a different and a better way to ask the same question. What is preventing you from experiencing the peace of God in your life? What is preventing you from receiving and experiencing and living and walking in the peace of God in your life. The New Testament word for peace means a state of rest and calmness, an absence of strife, freedom from worry. Pastor Judy just read it a few minutes ago, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. We're gonna talk about that next week, by the way. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Too often we do the opposite of what that passage says. We worry about everything and we don't pray about anything. We spend too much time worrying and not enough time praying. Some of you in here right now, you are worried about being around your crazy relatives at Christmas. I know I'm joking about it, but that's true. You all have one. 
Some of you are worried about that right now, and you spent no time praying about that or praying for that particular individual. Some of you are worried about the vaccination requirement at work or for public schools or schools next year, but you've spent no time praying about it. You've complained about it a whole lot. You've got upset about it a whole lot, but you haven't prayed, you haven't prayed about it. Some of us are worried about political decisions that we have no control over at all, but we've spent no time praying about it. We've spent no time praying for those men and women that maybe you don't agree with, but they're in positions of political authority, and the Word of God says pray for them. We haven't done that. We're just worried about it. We're just mad about it. We're just grumpy about it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Come on up here, Zach. Help, help me here for a moment. Give my lovely assistant, Zach, a big round of applause. My beautiful green backpack. Get my arm in here. There we go. Here's just a bucket full of worries. Here's stuff we need to worry about. Gas prices. Oh, I definitely need to worry about that because I can do a whole lot about that. Yep. Let me carry that around with me. Kids, I need to worry about that. I'm worried about my kids, especially Cohen. Pray for him. I'm just kidding. Marriage. <laughs> just put that in there. We're worried and stressed about my marriage. Oh, the future of the world. Let me carry that on my shoulders because I can really, really help with that. The future of the world. Yes, let me worry and stress about that. I got a new baby coming in the world. I need to worry about that. Health, I'm worried about that. I, need, I might get COVID. I might get sick. I'm stressed about that. Christmas, definitely. I mean, it should be the most joyful time of the year. Let it, let it be the most stressful time of the year. Put that in, Zach. Let me take that on my back right now. What else do we got? Finances, yep, stressed about that. What else do we have? Work, I'm always stressed about that. I work with a bunch of knuckleheads. Come on, pray for me. <laughs> Half of them are my family. <laughs> All right, oh man, this thing's getting heavy. All right, thanks, Zach, so much. Great job, Zach. Yeah, let me just carry all these worries around on my back for a while because I can handle it alone, make, make sure I don't kick the bucket while I'm at it, literally and, and <laughs> physically. You might be able to carry these worries for a little bit and be all right. I don't know, maybe you can carry them longer than I can. Pretty soon, you're gonna lose your joy, you're gonna lose your peace. Worrying is simply carrying burdens that you don't have any business carrying on your back. And so you can either worry about it, you can carry all of these concerns around on your back, or you can choose, come on, to lay them down at the foot of the cross. Come on, lay them down at the foot of the cross in prayer. <laughs> Get on your knees. Get on your face and cry out to God. Things that are worrying you, stressing you out pain in your heart. Some of you think, yeah, I, I, I prayed about it, nothing happened. I'm still worried about it. Guess what? Pray and keep on praying then until the peace of God comes into your heart. I don't know how, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know, but lay it down. You know what a lot of us do? My, listen, I'm preaching to myself. I'm always preaching to myself, by the way. This is what I do. I don't know, maybe you do it too. I pray about it, feel pretty good for a little bit. Get up and start going. Oh man, all of a sudden I start, oh, I start worrying about that again. Dang, I'm, worried, I'm super, really worried about my, 
worried about my kids. Pick it back up. You know what you need to do? Every time you pick it back up, you got to go back and lay it back down. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Listen, give all of your cares. Give all of your concerns to the Lord. Why? Because he cares about you. Jesus said, Matthew 6, read it on your own. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about your life. In fact, Judy referenced that for, for giving, Matthew 6, Don't worry about any of these things. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Number three is this. If you want to have the peace of God, accept what you can't change and take responsibility for what you can change. Accept what you can't change and take responsibility for what you can change. Last week in my message, I talked a little bit about family driving vacations, how we grew up taking family driving vacations. Now Jenny and I do the same thing with our kids. Well, a couple of years ago, we took a family driving vacation to Sequoia National Park, which is beautiful, by the way. In fact, go ahead and put the first picture up of our kids. There we are. This is our cabin that we stayed in. (laughs) We didn't know this until we showed up. It is a 1916 historical cabin. And I don't want to, you know, throw anybody under the bus, um, but the initials of the one who booked this cabin are Jennifer Lynn Reeves. So anyways, uh, go ahead and go to the next one. (laughs) Look how spacious this cabin is. (laughs) My Honda, our Honda Pilot is literally almost bigger than this cabin. This cabin had no electricity and no running water. Now, I know some of you like camping. I don't like camping. Jenny doesn't like camping. We were shocked by this in not a good way. Go to the next picture. Here's the first night. I'm trying to read my Bible by candlelight, like I'm Ben Franklin or something. Honestly, by this point, I was doing my best. I was getting irritated. I'm not, I was irritated. I wasn't getting, I was irritated. I was frustrated. I was grumpy. I was upset. We went to bed that night and Jenny knew. I was trying to hold it. I couldn't hold it in for very long. Kids fell asleep. Jenny is literally crying because she felt so bad. I felt bad too. I just didn't cry. Go to the next picture. Here's our room. What you just saw was when you walk in, like this little kitchen, here's our room. It's three beds. It was so small that I couldn't even get the third bed in the picture. You had to walk in sideways like this to get to my bed, and then you just had to fall down. I know it's a family vacation, but come on. I was hoping to have some alone time with my wife. How many of you know that's not happening? That's going out the 1916 window. That's not happening. Anyway, so what's funny, by the way, is that our kids still talk about this vacation. It ended up being one of the best vacations we ever had. Neve still says, that was the most comfortable bed I ever slept in. Neve, what are you talking about? That was built in 1916. Like they don't make them like they used to, I guess. I don't know. Listen, I couldn't change anything about the cabin, but I could change everything about my attitude. Once I finally realized that and embraced that, I was all right. Isn't it funny that you could be on the most beautiful vacation in some of the most incredible parts of the planet with the people that you love more than anybody else and something can happen and you still get stressed out and worried and grumpy about it? (laughs) 
The disciples couldn't change the storm that they were in, but they could change their reaction, and they chose fear over faith, and many times we do the same. Our stress level is often tied up in our circumstances. Oftentimes, situations are not really the cause of stress, but it's our reactions to those situations that cause stress. We lose our peace when circumstances are uncontrollable. And do you realize that most of life probably is out of your control? So stop trying to control everything. I know that's hard for certain personalities like mine, but you're stressing yourself out. You're losing your peace. Stop working at trying to get rid of every stressful situation in life. You're creating more stress for yourself. We also lose our peace, by the way, when people are unchangeable. Most people are not going to change the way that you want them to change. So stop trying to change them. little piece of marriage advice. I think I had to learn this in marriage counseling. I had to pay somebody to teach me this. If you're married, listen, stop trying to change your spouse and start changing yourself. Some of us, we, we complain too much. We get frustrated at the things that your husband, not, not me, I'm just saying some of you guys, uh, what our spouse isn't doing instead of being thankful for all the amazing things that they do. You can't change them, change yourself. Since we're on this topic, stop blaming everybody else for your problems. <laughs> I know I'm getting no amens, but that's all right. Start receiving God's peace in your life. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Since it's amplified, then it explains it. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. In other words, church, you and I can make the decision to stop allowing ourselves to get upset, aggravated, and frustrated. It's your responsibility to not let your heart be troubled or afraid. And sometimes, and I know I'm, I'm learning this, this is hard, but sometimes the only way to overcome certain things in life is simply to accept them. Listen, you can, you can keep saying or at least thinking, it's not fair, it's not fair. It shouldn't have been this way. It's not fair. But if you, if you stay there, you're going to get stuck and you're going to be miserable and you're not going to have God's peace. We must learn to submit to the Lord and surrender to him. Peace comes when we accept things in our life that we cannot change. In fact, some of us ought to start praying the serenity prayer. For my friends that are part of Celebrate Recovery on Friday nights at seven, come on, you know, right? You know the serenity prayer. Let's, in fact, let's put it up on the screen. Let's read this together. Let's pray this together. Ready, go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, 
trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Amen. Let me remind us too, men and women, that this is not our home. Heaven is our home. And so things don't work right because we live in a broken, sinful world. Jesus came to set it right. And when we get to heaven, we'll never experience that again. Heaven is your home. You're just passing through. And, and listen, life compared to eternity is very, very brief, by the way. Number four is this. Concentrate on God's crazy love for you, not on the crazy around you. We lose our peace when problems are unexplainable. And in life, there's a lot of things that happen that we don't understand, they don't make sense, they don't turn out right, they don't turn out the way that we want them to. Losses, hurts, rejection, problems. And for some of us, when we don't know the why, we get nervous, we get anxious, we get stressed, we get upset. You don't have to understand all of these things to be at peace. An explanation doesn't give you peace anyway. I want to say that one more time. I'm not sure if you caught that. You don't have to understand everything that you go through in life to be at peace. An explanation won't give you peace anyway. And by the way, let me say one more thing. God doesn't owe you an explanation. He's God and you're not. Read the book of Job. All the pain, all the suffering that Job went through. And he questioned God and he was angry at God. And guess what? You would too. You and I, because we are. And God never answered any of his questions. He basically just said, Job, I'm God and you're not. And Job got quiet pretty quick. I don't understand why my dad died earlier this year. I don't understand why God didn't heal my dad. I don't think there's any explanation on this side of eternity that I'll ever get, either from God or from anybody. In fact, if you think you have an explanation, keep it to yourself. I don't even want to hear it. And guess what? You, would, you don't want to hear it either when you're in grief and pain. Because an explanation doesn't make you happier. You still have the loss. You can't. That doesn't change the past. You know what I need? I don't need an explanation. I need the supernatural peace of God to come in my heart so that I can keep moving forward. Because I'm not going to stay stuck in my life. You don't need to know the why when you know the who. I'm going to say that again. You don't need to know the why when you know the who. You can ask God why. I don't know, maybe he'll give you an answer, maybe he won't. But you don't really need to know the why. You just need to know the Lord. The disciples said, Jesus, don't you care that we're drowning? It's like, what are you doing? You know, help us. We all think the same. Jesus, don't you care that I'm going through this? Why did this happen? And men and women, we forget that he's right there in the boat with us. He's, he's closer than you know. He's closer than the breath that you're breathing. He is right there with you. Jesus was God incarnate, God in the flesh. He was right next to them. I know, I know that God loves me. I know that he has good plans for me. I know that I can trust him even when things don't make sense. I know that his peace passes understanding and that I can experience it in the midst of crazy. Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord gives his people strength. 
The Lord blesses them with peace. Here's the fifth and the last point, how to have peace in your life. If you want God's peace in your life, number five is endure storms and suffering with Jesus. I know we don't like to hear this, but it's, this, is, this is the truth I'm telling you right now. I'm walking through this right now. Endure storms and suffering with Jesus. All of us, myself included, we want God to keep us from all the hurt and all the pain and all the problems and all the challenges, all the storms and all the suffering. We want him to fix all of our prob problems, but that just doesn't happen. And for some of us, when that doesn't happen, we blame God, we get mad at God. Some people just walk away from God entirely. They leave the church. God never, ever promised in his word that we won't suffer. He never promised that. In fact, Jesus actually said the opposite. He said, if you're going to follow me, you will suffer. You will have troubles. You just read that. We'll read it again in, in a second. He said, you're going to be persecuted. What he did promise is that when you suffer, I will be there with you. And I understand everything that you're going through. And I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And my grace is sufficient for you because my strength and my power is made perfect in your weakness and your pain. Jesus said in John 16, 33, the Amplified, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. In other words, God never promises to keep you from every storm that you face in your life. But he promises to be with you through every storm that you face in your life. Jesus was in the boat in the storm with his best friends. He wasn't going to let him drown. He wasn't going to let him die. In fact, he says, guys, let's go over to the other side. We're going over. And as my dad used to preach, if Jesus says you're going over, you ain't going under. <laughs> and that's true in your life and it's true in my life. We're going over. And we're going over with Jesus because he's in the boat with us. He's going through the storm with us. He's in the pain and the hurt and the suffering and the grief and the confusion with you. He's in the midst of crazy with you. And there is peace. There's peace knowing he's with me. He's with me. And so he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. I've asked the worship team to sing a special song. You can just be seated and enjoy this. Allow God to minister to you right now. Fear the storm. Just 
don't you stand to your feet? Everybody just stand to your feet if you would. For a moment, we're going to close here. Everybody stand up. Just close your eyes. Relax. I felt God give me a picture for somebody, maybe more than one person, as Dana was singing that song. I haven't share this at the other services, but some of you have been getting pummeled by waves of pain. It's like relentless. It's crashing again and again, pain. It's like I had a picture of Jesus step into that situation. Hmm. put his arm out and just say, peace, be still. It's like all of a sudden, when Moses parted that Red Sea, just split. Walls of water just stopped. Peace of God came in. Just put your hands out in front of you. Whatever you're worried, concerned about, stressed about, overwhelmed, grief, pain, lay it at the foot of the cross right now. You don't need to say anything. Symbolically in your heart, lay it before the Lord. Put your hands on your heart. Here comes the peace of God. Peace, be still. Thank you for your peace. Peace that passes understanding. We receive it right now. That waves of your peace, waves of your love, waves of your joy crash in our hearts, Lord. Push out pain grief, hurt, worry, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness, your love. We thank you for your presence. Any, any and every time we have worries, concerns, we can give them to you 
surrender them to you and pick up and receive your peace in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can open up your eyes for a moment. You know, before you can really receive and walk and live in the peace of God, you have to have peace with God. It's the most important kind of peace you can have. That's why Jesus came. That's why he lived and died, rose again for you and I, friends, so that we could have peace with God. Because we were created to have relationship with God. That's why you're here. You're not a mistake or an accident. You're here because before God formed you in your mother's womb, the Bible says he knew you. And he has a good plan for your life. But it begins by knowing him. And the only way to know God is through his son, Jesus. There's no other way. It's not even coming to church, actually. It's making a decision to receive the grace of God by faith through what Jesus has done for you and I. That's what the cross is about. God loved you so much that Jesus went to the cross, the sinless Son of God, shed His blood to forgive you and cleanse you from all of your sin, all of your selfishness, all of your rebellion to bring you into relationship with God so that you could have abundant and eternal life. Friends, I'm just like you. I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And I'm so thankful that Jesus has saved me. He's the only one. He's the only one. But you have to make that decision. Nobody can make it for you. Girlfriend, boyfriend can't make it for you. Grandma, grandpa, you have to make that decision for yourself. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you have, but you've walked away from the Lord and you want to come back to him today. His arms are open. He's waiting for you to respond to his love. Maybe you're watching online. That includes you. You can let our online team know. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you close your eyes just one more time? If you say, John, I'm, that's me. I, I don't know the Lord, but I want to know him. I'm ready to give my life to him and ask Jesus to come in and change my life. I want to live for him. Best decision you could ever make. Most important decision you could ever make. By the way, not only does it affect the rest of your life, it affects all of eternity. Because eternity with God is called heaven. Eternity separated from God is called hell. And you and I weren't made for hell. We were made for heaven. But we have to make that decision in this life. Abundant and eternal life Jesus gives to us. If you're ready to make that decision this morning, maybe you're online. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Lift up your hand. I want to see you. I want to make eye contact with you. And then I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer of salvation. I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. There's already a hand up back there. I see you. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Hold it high. I know you, friend. I see you right there. I see the two of you. Is that a couple back there? I see you guys right there. I see you in the back section over there. Awesome. Anybody else? Hold your hand up. Wave it at me until I see you. Several hands this morning. Praise God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, what does that mean? It means that I am living my life for him because he's the only one that I should live for. I'm surrendering my life. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And men and women, Jesus did rise from the dead. Death is a defeated enemy. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. This is a moment of salvation. I want all of us to pray this prayer of salvation. Pray it loud and strong. Then my mom.
Pastor Sherry's gonna come up and close us. Let's repeat this loud in support of our friends making this decision this morning. Repeat after me a phrase at a time. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Right now, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. I renounce every work of the devil in my life. And I choose that I'm going to live for you. Make me a new person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your peace and your joy. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.